Hi, welcome to Web3 Nerd, a podcast for all things Web3. I will endeavor to unfold the concept of blockchain for the technical and non-technical minds alike with insights into the leading projects in the space so that there is little to no barrier of entry into the blockchain technology even for the common man. I'm your host Ablaziz Kamil, pseudonym Abu Julebib. As a disclaimer, I'm not an investment advisor. Hence, everything on this channel is for educational purposes only. Do your own research and anything that sounds too good to be true, then probably it is. So let's get right in. We'll be continuing with the sixth part of the audiobook recording of Polkadot for Beginners, a non-technical guide to decentralization, blockchain and Polkadot by G. Bachi. In the previous episode, we discussed on governing the network. In this episode, we'll be covering chapter 5, expanding the network. If this is your first time tuning into the show, I highly recommend that you listen to the previous 5 episodes to catch the audiobook in its entirety. So enjoy! Chapter 5, expanding the network. Having seen how the network is structured, we are now going to look at how the network is expanding through parachains the ultimate value proposition of Polkadot. Without parachains, the relay chain is just a skeleton network limited to staking and governance functionalities. By contrast, parachains can be designed however the building teams want, with or without transaction fees, bigger or smaller blocks. In short, each parachain is a country of its own. And you can think of the relay chain as the network that maintains the routes and sea routes that connect each of these various countries. Each parachain is also a very customizable layer 1 blockchain that can fall into the following categories. 1. Public layer 1 network 2. Private layer 1 network 3. Layer 2 scaling solution and 4. Bridge This is possible because the relay chain makes no assumptions about the entities that connect to it. It accepts them as they are, as long as they are built using programming languages supported by Substrate. Substrate is a framework for building modern blockchains created by Parity Technologies, the company that was commissioned to build Polkadot by the Web3 Foundation. Thus, any blockchain or network built with Substrate is compatible with Polkadot Relay Chain. But really, what is Parachain? What does it mean to be one? Parachains are like children of a relay chain in that they are secured by the economic power of the apparent relay chain and are also able to use the computing resources of relay chain validators for cross-chain operations. The advantages of parachains over standard layer 1 blockchains are twofold, shared security and interoperability. The concept of shared security should be understood by now, so we can now focus on interoperability which is seen as the holy grail of blockchain technology. Parachain interoperability I believe that interoperability is Polkadot's killer feature. If you are unfamiliar with blockchain, then this might not make much sense to you, but I will try to explain why parachain interoperability is the key to unlimited innovation within the blockchain space. Decentralized finance and decentralized digital ownership via NFTs became the powerhouses they are today thanks to interoperability, the trustless communication between different automated systems or networks. Usually, blockchain platforms are said to be interoperable when tokens from one platform can be moved onto another and vice versa through a bridge. For example, if I want to send Bitcoin to Ethereum 
all I need to do is go to the bridges application and make the transfer. This is now a pretty straightforward operation that can be completed in a few clicks. What I don't see is that the tokens are moved from Bitcoin to Ethereum are technically still on the Bitcoin network. This is because the bridges method of transfer is to freeze my BTC tokens by sending them to a special purpose address on the Bitcoin network, mint a new set of derivative token called wrapped BTC on the Ethereum network and send the wrapped BTC tokens to my Ethereum account. Like I said, this is a pretty straightforward process, but it isn't interoperability as implemented on Polkadot. There are two aspects to interoperability, sending tokens or messages and calling functions. Nowadays, the first aspect is pretty trivial, but the second is relatively unheard of. For blockchain A to call a function of blockchain B, we will need to automate operations between blockchain A and blockchain B thus eliminating the need for human intermediaries. In such a setup, blockchain A would call a smart contract on blockchain B, which will in turn respond to blockchain A, giving it whatever information or running whatever computation was requested. Interoperability. Let's use another practical example to make sense of this concept. A user requests to use his valuable NFT stored on chain B as collateral on chain A, a DeFi forecast chain to take a loan. But before chain A can accept his loan request, it needs to confirm a few things. Is the user who he said he is? Does the user own the NFT? What's the true value of the NFT? Apart from these questions, chain A also needs to mint an NFT to represent the loan position and send tokens to chain B. To gather all this data, chain A will need to talk to other chains. To know the real identity of the user, chain A talks to identity chain C which verifies that the user is truly who he said he is and that he is eligible for the loan. To confirm that this user has no outstanding loans, chain A does cross-checks with two other DeFi chains that are its partners. To check that the user actually owns this NFT, chain A moves on to verify the information with chain B. To assess the value of this NFT and confirm if the collateralization ratios are suitable, Chain A initiates a smart contract on chain D, a prediction chain. This prediction chain incentivizes a set of predictors and assessors to analyze the true value of the NFT. Having confirmed that all is well, chain A proceeds to collect the NFT and lock it in its NFT vault on chain B while it gives the user the tokens requested and start collecting interest rates repayments. Note that I have added more steps that are necessary for such a transaction for descriptive purposes only. Thus, we see there are two kinds of interoperability, strong and weak. With weak interoperability, the user has to do all of these operations in isolation, signing multiple transactions on different chains. With strong interoperability, one chain can leverage cross-chain features identity, prediction, and vaults from other chains to secure its operation and provide a better user experience. Now, given the strong advantages that parachains have over other layer 1 blockchains, we can now begin to understand why there is going to be intense competition for parachain slots. Since the relay chain can't have an infinite number of parachains, its resources are finite, it will support around 100 parachains within the next decade or so, according to the Polkadot white paper. But this presents a new challenge. How do we determine who gets a parachain slot? Parachain slot auctions and crowd loans. 
In a situation where a few valuable items are available for sale but there is a great demand from buyers, the most sensible way to distribute these is through auctions. Because this guarantees that those who value them the most will be the final takers. For Polkadot, a decentralized system with technological and economic security, finding the best way to distribute its precious network resources is paramount. This is when the Parachain Slot Auctions or PSAs come in. The PSAs are a robust mechanism that help allocate Parachain Slots to the highest bidder among different projects. The full details of how it achieves this are summarized below. Every Parachain Slot Auction lasts one week on Polkadot. During this week, Parachain teams make their bid. At the expiration of the auction period, a winner is determined. However, the actual procedures are a bit more complex. Each week of Parachain Slot Auction is divided into two phases, an opening phase and a closing phase. The two phases are necessary because Polkadot uses a Nobel on-chain mechanism inspired by candle auctions. Traditionally, running an auction involves setting a timeline allowing the highest bidder to emerge once time runs out. This is similar to what you can see on eBay. However, since Polkadot works to maximize the economic security of its own network, this style of auction presents a major problem because it doesn't incentivize bidders to make their best bids early, leaving the system exposed to auction snipping. For example, Bob wants to bid for a painting with 40 grants but decides to start out at 15 grants to fill the market. When his bid is overtaken, he adds an extra $500 and bids again, but his bid is overtaken once again. So he has to keep bidding up on and on until the timer reaches its last 30 seconds, with Bob winning at 28 grams. Unfortunately, at the last second, Alice snips Bob's bid with her own $28,500 bid and Bob loses out on the auction. But the real tragedy is that the artist loses on a large valuation for the painting, given that $28,500 is much lower than Bob's actual budget of 40 grams. To discourage such actions, the candle auction was invented around 17th to 18th century. It introduces some randomness and uncertainty in the final stage of an auction. Participants were encouraged to place their best bids early because, although they could tell the starting point of the auction, that is when the candle is lit, they could never guess when the candle will die out, signaling the end of the auction. Now. Implementing the candle auction on blockchain is not a trivial affair because blockchains are not built for randomness. Polkadot's solution is to introduce two-phase auctions and a retroactive random end time, which comes into play during the second phase of the auctions. In the opening phase, which lasts two days, projects place bids that are registered on chain and will run until the end of the auction. They are free to bid as much as they think it's needed to win but must also be careful not to break their own treasuries. In the ending phase, which lasts 5 days, all bids from the final days can potentially be invalidated because the relay chain will use a verifiable random function to retroactively choose the moment when the auction ended. Therefore, it is the parachain candidate that has the highest bid at the exact time when the auction ends that will be the winner. So it is possible for the relay chain to decide that the auction ended on the third day at block number dot dot dot. This means that the parachain candidate which made the highest bid after that block will definitely lose the auction. 
This is why the opening phase is important because the relay chain will always consider all bits placed in the opening phase. A power chain slot can range from 3 months to 2 years on Polkadot, 1 year on Kusama, depending on the number of slot periods that the team chooses for its project. This introduces another interesting dynamic to the auctions because the relay chain now needs to consider the following requirements when selecting a winner. 1. Maximizes economic revenue. That is get the team to bid as many dots or KSM as possible. And 2. Maximize slot duration. That is get the teams to bid for as many slot periods as possible. This means that a power chain candidate that has the highest overall bid but for the shortest available slot duration will be less favorable in the eyes of the relay chain compared to a partition candidate that has the second highest overall bid for the longest available slot duration. However, note that a slot duration is also dependent on the slot periods that are available at the time the project needs them. So this ideal scenario may not always play out. Getting a partition slot can be a very costly affair. The first parachain slot on Kusama went for 500,000 KSM, that is roughly around $90 million, which isn't ideal for decentralization because very few teams can realistically afford to spend that much in digital rent. To level the playing field, Polkadot puts in place a crowd loan module that enables parachain teams to source dots from their communities. This is akin to a funding round with a few notable differences. One. The token bonded by the community ain't given to the parachain teams, instead they are held by the relay chain. Think of it as staking without earning staking rewards. 2. If the team doesn't win the auction, the tokens are refunded to the contributors. And 3. If the team wins the auction, the tokens are bonded on the relay chain for the duration of the rent. At the end of this rent period, the tokens are returned to the crowd loan contributors. To encourage community members to contribute to their crowd loans during parachain slot auctions, parachain candidate teams often offer contributors a share of the supply of their native token, along with other perks like NFTs, derivative tokens, bonus staking rates, and special community roles. For community members, this becomes a win-win scenario, with the only loss incurred being staking rewards, as tokens used for parachain crowd loans and auctions aren't eligible for staking rewards. When you put the candle auction mechanism and the crowd loan module together, we begin to see that Polkadot is poised for an unprecedented spore of innovation and expansion. I say this for the following reasons. 1. Parachain slots have to be won with the help of the community which guarantees that the best teams will rise to the top first. By best teams, I mean the teams that can deliver on both technology and community engagements because it is possible for the best tech teams to be overshadowed by weaker tech teams who have a firmer grasp of community building. 2. Parachain slots have to be renewed eventually, which guarantees that teams will focus on delivering better services to their communities and growing their treasuries to overcome reliance on crowd loans. Naturally, some projects will be unable to renew their parachain slot, and this is both good and bad. Bad for the parachain that reduces or stops its services, good for the ecosystem because it will ensure that no parachain have a permanent slot unless they generate the value needed to keep them going. 
Another exciting aspect of this design is the diversity of parachain projects. For example, if there are three DeFi chains that are competing, it is unlikely that they will all be successful. Instead, only two might get a slot by generating enough revenue and community goodwill. In this case, the third chain will be downgraded to a power thread, while other non-DeFi projects continue to operate on the network. Not that this is only theoretical speculation. The point I'm driving at is that this design encourages diversification among parachain candidates. A short take on para-threads. Given that parachain slots are finite, not every candidate will successfully attend the parachain status. Also, becoming a parachain might not necessarily be suitable for some projects. Seeing that parachains are desirable because they have uninterrupted access to the relay chain and are able to submit blocks whenever they want, projects that do not require such resources are better off becoming a parathread. You can think of parachains as a subscription service while parathreads are pay-as-you-go. In the context of Polkadot, this model is ideal for two reasons. One, it is easy for projects to wind down their parachain operations since they don't have to completely lose their connection to the relay chain. And two, it is possible for projects that are unable to acquire a parachain slot to still benefit from Polkadot's shared security. How Parathreads will operate Some of the parachain slots on the relay chain will be reserved for parathread execution. These special slots called parathread pools will host projects that wish to become parathreads. To add a block onto the relay chain, these parathreads will send their block candidate and a transaction fee to a collector located within the parathread pool, who will in turn relay it along with a bid designated in DOT. A relay chain validator will review the bids and decide which block to include in the relay chain. The primary incentive for a relay chain validator is to accept block candidates submitted with the highest bids, generating the most profits for themselves. According to the Polkadot Wiki, the tokens from parathread bids will likely be split 80-20, meaning that 80% goes into the Polkadot treasury and 20% goes to the block author. This is the same split that applies also to transaction fees, and like many other parameters on Polkadot, can be changed through governance mechanism. A brief overview of interesting parachains. 1. Akala, a DeFi protocol. Akala is a first-of-its-kind decentralized finance consortium with a vision to create cross-chain open finance infrastructure for the Polkadot ecosystem. Its mission is to become the DeFi hub of Polkadot to make it easy to use or build financial applications improve trading efficiencies, and save valuable time. This means that Akala has the same mission as Ethereum, the only difference being that it was built specifically for DeFi use cases, making it far more convenient for DeFi services. The platform offers a suite of core protocols that make it a worthy destination for any DeFi DApp developer and user. A. Hanzon Protocol AUSD. This is the protocol behind Akala's AUSD, which is a decentralized, multi-collateralized stablecoin that is backed by cross-chain assets. By contrast, USDT, the biggest stablecoin by market capitalization, is a centralized stablecoin which is under the control of a single agent. The widely adopted DAI, 
a decentralized stablecoin is currently limited by the fact that there is only one type of collateral that can be used to mint it, that is ETH. This explains why DAI has a much lower market capitalization in comparison to USDT. Thus, AUSD seeks to offer the best of both worlds and avoid limitation of popular stablecoins. Furthermore, it can be minted from a variety of collaterals which include DOT, ETH, BTC, KSM, and any other token whitelisted through Akala's governance. B. HOMA Protocol LDOT The HOMA Protocol is a decentralized staking protocol that enables users to get the benefits of staking their DOT without losing their access to their liquidity. So instead of staking their DOTs on the Polkadot relay chain, users can use the HOMA protocol on the Akala D app and receive LDOTs in return, although not necessarily at a one-to-one -one ratio. LDOT stands for Liquid DOT, which users are free to use as collateral to take out stablecoin loans for transfers or swaps. When users want to redeem their staked DOTs, they can simply return the LDOT to the protocol and get their DOT plus their staking rewards refunded into their wallets immediately thus avoiding the relay chain's 28-day unbonding period. C. Decentralized Exchange This is a protocol similar to Uniswap, SushiSwap and other decentralized exchanges that enable users to swap tokens, provide liquidity and earn rewards. Akala's goal is to make DeFi accessible to everyone without the complexities that come with decentralized protocols. Already, they have partnerships with Current, an American fintech company which will help create a new type of finance called Hybrid Finance, a blend of decentralized and centralized finance, meaning it will be possible for users who don't have a crypto wallet to earn yields in DeFi from their traditional bank accounts. 2. HydroDX, a DeFi protocol Hydra DX, another DeFi-focused layer 1 blockchain, is very different from Akala. A core part of Hydra DX's offering is the Omnipole, a well of liquidity that is deep and diversified enough to withstand anything that market throws at it. Presently, most token trading is carried out in peers, such that if I want to swap DOT for KSM, I would need to find an exchange that has a DOT KSM pair. Only then would I be able to swap from DOT to KSM. If no such pool exists in the exchange, then I will be forced to swap DOT into a token that is paired to KSM. Say for instance, I find a DOT USDT pair and a KSM USDT pair. I will have to swap my DOT for USDT before swapping USDT for KSM. This is neither capital efficient nor user friendly. Even when decentralized exchanges like Uniswap propose swaps between two tokens that are not paired in a pool, they do so by automatically swapping from one pool to the next, which causes a lot of slippage. Thanks to Substrate's power and flexibility, Hydra DX is overcoming this limitation by building a single pool, Omnipool for every asset. The details of this execution are quite technical both in terms of finance and technology, but I will give a basic summary here. To create an Omnipool, Hydra DX uses LNRA token as the base token against which all other tokens will trade, so that the LNRA token can act as a price oracle. Given that Hydra DX is a layer 1, its Omnipool is not all it has to offer, rather it is the building block upon which many more financial applications will be stocked. 3. Kilt, an identity chain 
For a long time, our data, particularly data which identifies us, has been used to entrap, manipulate and take advantage of us. Kilt is looking to change this state of things by decentralizing the process of attesting and verifying users' credentials. Kilt is an open-source blockchain identity protocol for issuing self-sovereign, anonymous and verifiable credentials. Kilt enables innovative business models around identity and privacy, addressing the need for reliable identity solutions in the digital world. It allows users to claim personal attributes, have them attested by trusted entities, and store the claims as self-sovereign credentials. At the core of their model is the idea that users should have full ownership and rights over their credentials so that only they can make use of their identity information when interacting with another party. Within their protocol, there are those who need credentials issued, like job applicants, and those who need to verify credentials, like hiring companies. Once the Kilt blockchain is fully set and running, it will be possible to prove to a company that wants to hire you that you are who you claim to be. This will be possible because the company will only need to check the information you provided them on the Kilt blockchain. If they need further verification, they can then pay an attester to verify your credentials. Again, this is the basic idea, but remember that this is a layer 1 blockchain and that many more ID applications can be built on it. 4. Robonomics and Internet of Things Protocol In my opinion, this is the most interesting parachain in Dotsama. I say this because they are building something that no one else has proposed, robot economics. Quote their idea is the realization that with the rise of automation, autonomous robots, there comes the need for a framework to manage robot-robot interactions. For example, there are usually a pool of robots and machines working together to manufacture products in factories, but humans are still needed to facilitate operations between said robots. For example, when an item has completed a cycle on one line, a human is almost always needed to move it to the next line to continue the manufacturing procedure. In this case, a human is only needed because there is no way for the robots to talk to themselves and coordinate their actions independently. By adding an automated line of communication in robot interactions, a whole new world of possibilities is open to us. Robot economics. With Robonomics, it will be possible for a factory robot to instruct an automated vehicle so that when the products are ready, the factory robot can ping the automated vehicle to come for pickup. To avoid robot spamming, transportation robot will only react to the factory robot's call if the factory robot has paid some tokens to the transportation robot. For better clarity, the word robot does not necessarily refer to humanoid machinery. Any automated machine is a robot, a printer, a coffee machine, a computer program sitting in a truck, a trading bot. They are robots because they are designed to perform a certain set of actions automatically having received a certain input. Robonomics is highly interesting because the project wants to link the economics of digital world and the real world through robots, just like how fiat and crypto finances are linked through oracles. 5. Fala, a privacy parachain. Fala tackles the issue of trust in the computation cloud. Fala's Layer 1 blockchain is a trustless computation platform that enables massive cloud processing without sacrificing data confidentiality. 
in layman terms, Fala is building a decentralized and private cloud through a network of pieces brought together via blockchain consensus. Fala wants to make permissioned Web2 cloud services like Google Drive, OneDrive, Adobe Cloud, Azure, and AWS redundant. Fala is committed to providing a universal decentralized computing network that can be freely combined with smart contract, decentralized storage protocols, and data indexing services. One of Fala's Nobel products is the FAT contract, an intended upgrade on the current smart contract model made possible by the power and flexibility of Substrate, a framework used to build Polkadot and its parachains. Traditionally, smart contracts execute their code on-chain, meaning that the blockchain network is responsible for carrying out the computation of the smart contract along with consensus. But this limits the power of smart contracts because they are bound by the computational ability of the network, that is block production, finality, etc. By decoupling the execution of a smart contract from blockchain consensus, a more powerful smart contract is created. A FAT contract is simply a smart contract that handles its computation off-chain. This is coupled with Fala's privacy-preserving feature that ensures that computational data cannot be read by miners. The main appeal of FAT contract is that they enable a much richer and powerful use of smart contracts for a wider range of services, particularly those that require a lot of processing power and speed, like gaming, metaverses, and data analysis to name a few. 6. CROST, a decentralized data solution The cloud has been a great addition to our lives. We no longer need to store all our digital files on personal devices with limited disk space. However, the data you store on centralized cloud servers doesn't fully belong to you, and you can't be certain that your data will always be safe and accessible. By contrast, a decentralized cloud has the advantage of not relying on one single cloud or hosting service. CROST is providing a straightforward decentralized cloud storage solution for everyday users, professionals, and developers. With CROST, your data is stored on multiple nodes across the world, ensuring that you can retrieve this data anywhere and anytime. Furthermore, any data is fully owned and can only be accessed by you. This is because CROST makes use of advanced data encryption before sending it to its nodes. All in all, CROST is looking to challenge every centralized cloud storage service currently in operation Google, Dropbox, Box, etc. 7. Zgeist, Few Turkey Zgeist is a layer 1 blockchain that proposes some of the most original ideas in the Polkadot ecosystem. Democracy is an ideal form of governance, but it has many drawbacks when it comes to models for decision making. Currently, there are vast differences in wealth between nations which cannot be attributed to differences in natural resources or human abilities. In truth, the heart of these inequalities lies in the fact that nations, many of which are democracies, often adopt ineffective policies. Few Turkey presents itself as a new form of government and wants to alter the way decisions are made by using the outcomes of a prediction market. The core argument for Few Turkey is that markets tend to be more rational and can be used as a standalone form of governance. 
Zgeist provides a layer one blockchain that enables anyone to create a prediction market to measure people's opinions on any topic, thus supporting policy making for companies, governments, blockchain communities, DAOs, and other organizations. With few Turkey, decisions won't be made based on free-floating opinions, but weighted bets where people are forced to put their money where mouth is. And so, it is expected that people will be more careful and honest with their opinions when there is a cost attached to voicing it. One can imagine a future where the members of parliament come to a decision based on how they place their bet. Let's look at the following question. Will reducing taxes create more economic progress? In a democracy, all members would vote based on their or other people's opinions. Meanwhile, few Turkey requires all members to take a financial position on whether lowering taxes will lead to economic progress or not. Those with the strongest conviction will likely put more money on the line and indirectly influence the outcome of the vote. Who would you go with? The people who have enough faith in their own opinion to take the risk of making a big bet or those who aren't brave enough to back their opinion with sufficient funds. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There are some potential downsides to the Futurki model. Some people will inevitably get distracted by the gaming, baiting, risk-taking part of Futurki to mint money and social influence. That is the crypto Twitter phenomenon where big accounts use their influence to pop the price of tokens that are not worth their market cap. It is also expected that people could end up following hypes and big bets without ever forming an opinion of their own, which would be 100 times worse than democracy where apathetic individuals don't bother to vote because of a lack of incentive. Thus, few Turkey is decentralized enough to attract a wider array of participants but there is also a gambling effect that undermines the relevance of the bets. Only in implementation can we see how it will unfold and that is why I am excited about the future of Zgeist. 8. Moonbeam – A Smart Contract Parachain Moonbeam is an Ethereum-compatible smart contract platform on the Polkadot network that allows developers to deploy existing Solidity smart contracts and DApps front-ends with minimal changes to the original code. After the successful launch of their Canary network on Kusama, that's Moonriver, some people have dubbed the platform Ethereum 3.0. Aside from the appreciation in the value of mover tokens that will no doubt accompany this appellation, the tag isn't entirely underserved. For one thing, Moonbeam's smooth integration of native Ethereum tools makes it an easy destination for all Ethereum dApps. This way, developers can build richer dApps that don't suffer from limitations of the Ethereum blockchain, unreasonable gas fees, lack of modularity, etc. These are just a few of the many parachain candidates building on Polkadot. Check out parachains.info, .marketcap.com, and polkaproject.com for the latest ecosystem projects. At the beginning of this book, it may have been difficult for you to imagine why we would need a variety of blockchains. I hope that this section has been successful in convincing you that the future is truly multi-chain. If anything, 
I hope you have gained a greater appreciation for the infinite versatility of a layer zero protocol like Polkadot that aims to support the exponential innovation on which future layer one developments can thrive. There are far too many unresolved problems for the humanity and the planet as a whole and the goal of every technology should be to make life better. Not life in the narrow sense of the word that only takes humanity into account. That's the kind of thinking that led us to the present climate crisis. Life, as I use it here, refers to plants, animals, the atmosphere, and everything we can't do without. The aspirations of decentralized networks and organizations are that people can become more receptive to global issues over time. Respect life, promote freedom, peace and fairness, and bring human prosperity. If they can't do this in the long run, they are doomed to repeat the mistakes made in Web 2. We are heading to the last part of the book. Next week, we will be taking the last chapter, chapter 6, participating in the network and the technical appendix. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the rest of the book. Deuces.